Sunday. And if you want to call it Easter, that's all right. As long as we know and understand what this day is really all about. Amen. Amen. I'm so happy to see your wonderful faces and see our pastors in the house and see all of God's people. I want you to get on board with me, and let's make the devil mad. Because he's a punk. He's defeated. He's already lost. And that thing that we know as the blood of Jesus, he can't stand because he has no power against it. And when you know Jesus for yourself, that blood is on you. So guess what? He has no power against you <laughs> hallelujah we're going to pray and we're going to enjoy this day because this is the day that God has made for us Father we bless you today looking forward to what you have to say I humble myself to you right now that you will stand up strong in me today. That your people may be refreshed by your words and by the great compassion that you have for each and every one of us. Thank you for letting your love be evident and your comfort being made known in our hearts today. Pray, Father, that the word of God be received with gladness and great understanding that we just don't be hearers of your most holy word but doers of your word that we may experience the fullness of your grace we bless you lord god father we honor the man and the woman of this house as you have always kept them and you are continuing to keep them oh god 
We speak many more blessings upon their lives. So, Father, we bless you and praise you. I thank you, Father, for each and every family that's here today. For they come to get from you. They haven't come to get from me. They come to get from you, Lord God. And so we want to see what you're going to do today. In the glorious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Greet your neighbor before you take a seat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is wonderful. And God is great. <laughs> Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless you, Jesus. As we know that this is Resurrection Sunday. This is the day we identify and is known as when the Lord Jesus, who was murdered and killed three days, he was in the belly of the earth. That means he was in hell for us. But on the third day, and he said he would do this, and it was spoke about in the prophets thousands of years before it happened, that he would rise on the third day. And guess what? He got up. A dead man rose from the grave and proved himself, walked around, had a little lunch, had a little dinner, walked around in fellowship just a little bit more for 40 more days. And you know what? You don't, people don't talk about it too much, but he wasn't, walk, he wasn't the only dead man that was walking around. A lot of people... A lot of people got up from the grave. Those who died in the, the saints of God, they got up and they were walking around with him. I want you to imagine that. If we could see some people now, they've been in the grave, but they was known in Christ and Christ knew them. And we see them walking around today. How would we react? <laughs> honestly, honestly, we may be a little surprised at first, but I'm going to go ask him. How is it up there? <laughs> what you doing back here? I wouldn't come back. But that's another story. Hallelujah. So we recognize this day. And I know that this day sometimes is, and it's, and it's not sometimes, it's all the time that we, we talk about, you know, uh, the eggs and, and, the, and, and the rabbits and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I love eggs. And I put them in my tuna fish all the time. I love eggs. And I love the rabbits too. I like my man, uh, Yosemite Sam. I, he likes him just like I did. Hoppin's Hoss and Pfeffer. <laughs> you got to ask your parents about that one. <laughs> That's what they call the cooked rabbit. <laughs> I ain't messing with the little children. But that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. Only thing that we cannot forget is what this day really means. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to get right into the message. It's a... It's a different message. I'm not going to too much focus on the Lord to have me to focus on his actual getting up. He had me focusing on actually what he went through. Not that we don't talk about it, but I don't know if we talk about it enough. What he went through before he got up from the grave. And if you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 53, we're going to start at verse 2. Because if we understand what he suffered 
and what he went through. We got to know in our hearts, we got to know in our understanding that what he went through was for us. He allowed these things to happen to himself for us. So in the book of Isaiah, this is one of the, the, pro, the prophecies, prophecies about um, his suffering that was spoken long before it happened. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, we're going to start at verse 2. It says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form uh, communist. I mean, he really wasn't nothing to be admired about. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. You know, a lot of people probably want to pick Jesus as this big Arnold Schwarzenegger looking guy that probably was walking around, but he wasn't because that's desirable. That's something to look at. That's impressive. But he looked normal. He looked like everybody else. I don't even think he was that tall of a man. Because if he, if he was pretty tall, I was thinking about the story, why did Zacchaeus have to go climb a tree to see him? I know he had a bunch of people around him, but if he was 6'9", I don't think Zacchaeus would have had to try climb a sycamore tree to see him. He said, there's Jesus right there. I just wait till the crowd and I can run to him. But he had to climb a tree. So I don't really think Jesus was that too tall. He was too tall. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. I want you to focus on verse 5. I just want to get some words on this verse right here but he was wounded for our transgression say he was wounded and he was bruised for our iniquity say he was bruised the chastisement for our peace was upon him say chastisement and by his stripes we are healed say stripes there's four words I want to point out to you wounded bruised chastisement and stripes and I'm going to go through the meanings of these words. Now, the meanings of these words are the spiritual meanings caused by the physical attributes that we already just saw. What I mean by physical attributes, the physical evidence that was laid upon Jesus, that, that his body went through. This word wounded means that he was wounded for our transgression. That means he was pierced through. He was pierced through for our transgressions. If you don't understand by pierced through, that means it's one example when Jesus was on the cross that he was stabbed with a spear. And that when he was stabbed with the spear, blood and water flowed out of him. He was pierced through. If you think being stabbed with a spear is comfortable, you need to think again. He was bruised for our iniquities. This word bruised means that he was crushed. Remember, I'm giving you the spiritual meanings of each one of these words. That means he was crushed. That means he was beaten to pieces. Now, I don't mean that he was literally, because we know that Jesus' body was not separated and, and dis, dismantled or nothing like that, but he was beaten to pieces. That means that he was beaten to a point where he was unrecognizable. That's a lot of beaten people. He was bruised for our 
iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. This one was interesting. Chastisement means restraint. It means restraint. Now, what do you mean by restraint? That means his actions, the thing that Jesus allowed to come upon himself, the brutality that, was, that he allowed to come upon himself, restrain God from withholding his peace for us. The chastisement for our peace is like the peace that we were entitled to or God has for us. God had no right to give it to us because of sin. But Jesus took the chastisement and because of what Jesus did, now the opportunity, God's peace is now offered back to us. So what he took, it restrained God, it held God back from withholding this peace that we love so much that passes all understanding. Because I don't know about some of you, but that peace kept me alive today. Because when I couldn't see nothing else, I saw God's peace. Because he told me if I keep my eyes stayed on him, he will keep me. And because Jesus was chastised, God said, I got to give him my peace. He had to give you his peace. Isn't that wonderful? And by his stripes, we are healed. The word stripes, deep wounds. Deep wounds were inflicted upon the Lord Jesus Christ for us. I'm not talking about a little scratch. I'm talking about the kind of wounds that need stitches. Because if you don't get stitches, you're going to bleed out. If you don't get stitches, the wound can't heal right because it had the stitches allow it to be closed back together so it can heal properly. But he was deeply wounded. Spiritual meaning. This means to couple together. By his stripes, we have been coupled back to God. By his stripes, broken fellowship is now restored. See, that's why you can't let the devil, you can't let anybody working for the devil, you can't let evil, you can't let none of these things tell you that God don't love you. Because stripes has been restored. My fellowship, my union, back to God. You say with confidence, by his stripes. I am healed. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, entirely, wholly, you are healed. Mm. Broken fellowship, now restored. So those, those four words, wounded, bruised, chastisement, and stripes. And he allowed himself to go through that for us. 
We say, why did Jesus suffer? We know why he suffered, because sin was in the world, and sin was in us. You say, well, Jesus, I ain't, I ain't no sinner. I tell you what, if you were seed of Adam, you were a sinner, and everybody came. Hey, listen to me. Everybody came from Adam. Adam didn't make some people, and monkeys didn't make the rest of the world. Everybody came from Adam. And because Adam chose the way of sin over the way of God, sin is in you because Adam's blood is in every one of us. Adam started with God's blood. It got tainted with sin. And now it's in everybody. This is why we rejoice. And this is why we get excited about Jesus. Because with Jesus, we got a blood transfusion. <laughs> Hallelujah. This thing, sin, can't be taken lightly. God didn't take it lightly because he did this. He sent the only begotten son to die for a world that didn't know him, don't like him, and don't respect him. But he sent Jesus anyway. Sin is this. It's an offense to God. When you are a sinner, it gets deeper. Then you are an offender toward God. A sinner is somebody who sins very well. <laughs> You're pretty good at it. I was a sinner. I was born into sin, but God in his renewed mercy each and every morning, even when I didn't know him, didn't hold my sin against me when I went asleep that night. This is how good mercy is being renewed each and every day because now because when the sun rises, if I don't know God, I get another chance to know God. And my way of knowing him is knowing his son, Jesus. And when I know what he went through, I start to look at God with more seriousness. I start to look at God more intently and say, what is it about this God that will make him do this for me? The answer is simple. For God so loved the world. <laughs> for God so loved the world. So sin is an offense to God. When you are a sinner, you are an offender toward God. Now you might say, you might say to me, I'm going to talk for you right now. You might say, well, preacher, well, I didn't ask him to do this. I didn't ask Jesus to go through this stuff for me. No, you didn't. But the Father did, and we better be glad that he did. See, because hell is real. Hell was not meant for anybody in this room. Hell was meant for his, the fallen angels that followed Satan and him. That's who hell was meant for. The only problem with it is Satan wants residence down there. And he's doing a great, he's doing a job to get people to go to hell. So you say, well, you know, the father sent Jesus because, you know, because if he didn't do this, you know, li listen to this. Just as much as God is a compassionate God, and we know this, right? Because whenever we hear about God, we hear the word, the love is associated with God. The world has taken it to this level like 
God is why if God is so compassionate, why does he send people to hell? The truth is God's not sending you to hell. It's your unbelief in him that puts you in hell. It's, um, hell is just filled with a bunch of unbelievers. It's not even so much about sin, because, but sin is connected to that. That's why we say sin. But hell is filled with a bunch of unbelievers. But God is a compassionate God, but God is also a God of justice. And because he loves us so much, sin, in the measure of sin, had to be dealt with. Thank you, Jesus. The suffering that Jesus took was his willingness to be, listen to this, and, and oh, the name of this, this subject is the suffering, the suffering Servant. The Suffering Servant. Jesus' suffering was his willingness to be a servant. His suffering was his willingness to be a servant. This is this thing about when, you, when you're a servant, then you, you really kind of fall right into servanthood. You fall into who you're going to serve. Now, servanthood invites testing. <laughs> it invites tests. And what I mean, servanthood is going to put you in some stuff. Because servanthood wants to see if you really want to be a servant. You can talk servant, and you can, and you can portray servant, you know, but it was a story in the Bible how the, how the man, it was a man who had two sons. And he told this one son to go do something, and the son got mad at him. But after a while, the son went and did it anyway. And he told the other son, the other son, yeah, daddy, I got you. I'm going to go ahead and do this, and went and did nothing. Who was the one who was the righteous one? It was the one who really was a servant. It was the one who did what his father asked him to do. So servanthood will put you in the stuff because you have to be tested to see if it's for real. And that's your blessing, amen? Now this servanthood, this, now, now, now Jesus is known as a servant because this was his choice. He did it, listen to this, it gets really good, because salvation was his desire for you and I. He didn't have to do this thing, church, but he did it because salvation was for you and I. I want you to get your eyes ready and get your ears ready because we're going to go into, get ready, Brother Nick. I want you to start showing these verses. Look in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, and look at verse, we're going to go through these real quick. Matthew 26, verse 67. We're going to read 67 and 68. I'm going to read these out of three books real quick. It said, then they spat in his face and they beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy to us, Christ. Who is the one that struck you? Who is the one that punched you in the face? Look at the book of Mark, chapter 14. Verse 65, Mark 14, 65. Then some began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him and to say to him, prophesy, and the others struck him with the palms 
of their hands. This is getting to me now. The book of Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, verse 63. I want you to write these down. Luke 22, 63 and 6. I want you to write these verses down. I want you to take them home, read them for yourselves, and read them to your children. Because they need to understand that Easter, Resurrection Day, is more than just eggs and a bunny rabbit. Now when the men held Jesus, now the men who held Jesus, Mocked him and beat him. How many here think beating is light? Do you think this was a light beating? Okay, long as we understand that. And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is the one who struck you? And many other things they blasphemously spoke against him, spoke against the Lord of Lords, spoke against the, the, the great I am, they spoke against God in the flesh. Church, they are literally beating on God. Why did he do this? Because he was interested in you and I being saved. He was interested in you and I going to spend eternity with him. And this is why he did this. Hallelujah. These three events, well, it's one event, but it's out of three books. Now, these took place right after Jesus was taken from the Garden of Gethsemane. He was out there with his disciples. So this took place, and right before that, they just had the Last Supper. And this is when this took place. So, And this happened toward the evening, maybe late evening. And as the next verses that we're going to see, then they took him to, to be judged by Pilate. So this went on all night. All night. All night! He allowed himself to be beaten. And the real punishment hadn't got to him yet. Look at the book of Matthew. My hands are shaking. Matthew 27, chapter 24, verse 24. Did I get it right? Yeah. I want you to listen to this. Now, this is this, this, what, what I'm about to read now takes place after the all night of beating. It says, verse 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person you see to it. Even, even a sinner, even an unbeliever recognized the, 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 the glory Recognize the one who was standing before him and said, I want nothing to do with this. And let me tell you something. I'm just talking out of speculation. If, if Pilate eventually received Christ as his Savior, 
This little action, I guarantee you, was a thing that instituted his salvation. Because we don't know what happened. It's because we know his wife was saying, leave this man alone. And we know women got some control. And I'm sure she was talking to her husband later on. I'm just speculating right there. I'm just trying to show you the power of God's salvation. Anybody can get saved. And if they want to, anybody can get saved. It doesn't matter what you did, what you're doing, or what you may do tomorrow. Anybody can get saved. And all you got to do is believe on his name. It said, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail, but rather a tumult was rising, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. Here's ignorance. And all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and on our children. Did not know what they were saying. See, because God is like this old elephant. He remembers things if you don't <laughs> repent of them. And, but we thank God for Jesus, who is our intercessor, not letting God remember some things that we've done. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when, when they, and when he scourged Jesus, I love the movie, The Passion of the Christ, because this word, when he scourged Jesus, that was a lengthy act. In the Bible, we read through it quick. That's why, family, that we have to go back and study to see what really happened. They say that Jesus was beaten with a cat of nine tails. Until I started studying this thing out, I just thought like cat of nine. I almost thought like a cat of nine, like Catalina, Catalina. I thought it was one word, but it's really cat o nine, C A T, cat o nine, N I N E, cat o nine tails. And what it is is a multiple tailed whip. This is why it's called the cat of nine tails, because the people that it beat, it left cat-like scratches on their back or wherever they beat them. Now, the Romans were some nasty people. So they improved their torture. So they took this cat of nine tails and put fragments of bone, rock, Whatever they can find to fit into these leather straps. And this is what your Savior was beaten with. Deep wounds. It's the deep wound part. And they scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. After all this take place, and this went on for a while, church. This is something you need to explain to your children. It says, then, verse 27, then the soldier of the governor took Jesus into, into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him. He was naked, y'all. He was naked. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and when they had twisted a crown of thorns. Now, I kind of looked at this a little bit. Now, this, 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 this thorn, it said that these things were like an inch long. How many of us walk by a rose bush and get pricked? What well, is about this small? And we thought death had come upon us. When you hit that rose bush, it's ah! I want you to imagine about an inch long, a thorn about that long. 
Then I want you to imagine several of them. Then I want you to imagine that being put on your head, not like to see if it fit. Put on your head and then pushed down. All this is after he was whipped with a cat of nine tails. So they twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and they read in his right hand, and they bowed, to they, they're mocking him, and they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, more spitting. They spat on him and took the reed, and they struck him in the head. I saw a friend of mine get hit accidentally by a baseball bat. Right here. That thing, I literally, with my own eyes, saw growth. It just in seconds. This reed that they're striking him with was like a baseball bat. And they're hitting him repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And you think that this man should have died right then. This is what's happening to him, church. See, that's something when we read this story and we don't read through it fast, but you read through it to show how he allowed himself to go through these things. He's going through this now for each and every one of us. Turn your Bibles. Give you some good reason here. Second Corinthians. Is there something wrong with my mic? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 17. 17 and 18. Verse 17 and 18. I, I, I was watching the choir this morning, and, and the Lord placed in my spirit just to say, to tell them, like, do you see the glory? Do you see the glory? We got to see the glory. When all don't look like it's lining up, you got to see the glory. Because when we see the glory, we see God. Then we see God, we see God in us. And we start looking at things that God will see them. When God don't see nothing wrong, what it can't be, God can make it happen for you. Oh, you better get a hold of that. Verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and being transformed into, being transformed into, and being transformed into the same engines from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord is. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something, church. The prospect of Jesus' suffering was this. It was the probability. That's what prospect means. It was the probability of our advancement. Listen to what I'm saying now. That means if no suffering had taken place, then being transformed from glory to glory, this very thing that we like to, to express ourselves about, being transformed from glory to glory, if no suffering had taken place, then this would never happen. You would never see there's your transformation. You would never see where God wants to take you. Suffering was necessary. Painful, but necessary. Because of the suffering, I now can get to a place where I never thought I could get to. 
I hope this is getting into you. Where the spirit of God is, it says it in this verse, there's liberty and there is freedom. This is why sin had to be dealt with because sin destroys freedom through condemnation. If the devil is constantly reminding you of how ungrateful you are and how unloving you are and how unnecessary you are, you are in this world, then you need to be shouting for joy because you are close to your inheritance. You are close to your promise. You are close to whatever you are believing God for, and he is just trying to distract you to get your focus off track. That's why we got to know this story. See, because we'll, we'll mess up one time, and the devil's like, you're a sinner. You don't deserve nothing from God. You better tell him quick, I am free in Christ Jesus. What is that, what is that word? There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The only thing that can mess you up there if you ain't in Jesus, <laughs> if you ain't in Jesus, I suggest you get in them fast. Because condemnation will weigh you down and you will miss everything that God has for you. Don't be a fool. Don't be ignorant. Don't be short-sighted. Get yourself lined up back with God. Get yourself, how do you say, preacher, how do you do that? You get back in his word and start seeing what the word says about you. And you believe that word. You line yourself up with God's word because you don't want to look at this thing like, I know Jesus suffered. And he did it for me. If you can't think of nothing else, I know he suffered. And he did it for me. And I don't want to disappoint God. I don't want to uh, allow him to go through this stuff for nothing. Because your life, my life, means something to God. You better get that. So don't you let the enemy condemn you anymore I'm going to show you this last one just how great and marvelous our Savior is in the book of Matthew again go back to Matthew chapter 27 and look at verse 32 Matthew 7 and 32 mm, 27 verse 32 I'm going to show you the extent of Christ's suffering for us when he could have took the easy way out. Verse 32, now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. I love how they have like different names for people. They got like three, four different names in the Bible. Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear the Lord's cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, listen to verse 34, they gave him sour wine mixed with gall to drink, but he tasted it not. He had not tasted it, and he would not drink it. Let me tell you why. Because he was still thinking about us. He wanted to go through the full extent of his suffering. See, because wine mixed with gall is a potion that dulls the sense of pain. It makes it easier 
to go through the suffering. But he refused it. He didn't want to take the easy way out. You got to remember who's doing this now and, and what, his, what his goal and what his plan it was to save us all. Not only that, if he wanted to get out of this thing, I, 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 I kind of didn't look it up too much, but I kind of know it already. You know, when he was on the Mount of Olives, and, you know, in, in, the, in the, the soldiers of the centurion, the soldiers of the, 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 of the priests, the officers of the priests in the Sanhedrin, when they came to get him out the garden, and, you know, one of the boys, uh, one of our boys, your brother Peter, said, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not taking Jesus. And he pulled out the sword and he, and, he, and he cut off one of them boys' ears. That's a good swipe. <laughs> he cut off one of them ears and, uh, you know, and, and Jesus, Jesus pulled him back, you know, and said that, that you know, if, if, and he let them know that if I wanted to, after he took care of the young man that, that he cut his ear off, if he wanted to, don't you know I can call 12 legions of angels to come and save me? Could have took the easy way out. And he'd have been just to do it too. So I looked this thing up. What is 12 legions? A legion comprises of 3,000 to 6,000 Roman soldiers. So I picked the top number. So Jesus could have called down 72,000 angels to take care of that little crowd. Two angels destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them. They don't, you don't, that's a real short part of the Bible. You know, we just say Sodom and Gomorrah, but you know what, them boys destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, you, this thing about sin, sin just don't want certain areas. And when it starts to spread, it spread. And I can guarantee you it was in those cities surrounding Sodom and Gomorrah. So they came to do business. Two angels destroyed those two cities. What do you think 72,000 would have done? They probably would have. That was like right in the middle of Israel. They would have like took out like all of Europe, <laughs> Africa, <laughs> China. They would have just kept on going. And Jesus said, I could do this, but he didn't. He didn't do it. Remember, he's being a servant. This is something you better take note of this right now because this is kind of where we are right now. When you are a servant, Real servanthood does not call out for deliverance. Real servanthood does not call out for deliverance. Because the Lord understood and he knew what he was going through was a deliverance for all. Our strength is this, is that when we go through stuff, and stuff comes and sits at our doorstep that causes us trouble and causes us problems. If we know and understand that this, you know what, I understand that many are the afflictions of the Lord. You don't focus on the affliction. You focus on the Lord will. Say it with me. Deliver them out of them all. Even me took a while to get there. 
But you can get there because great is he that is on the inside of you who enables us, who gives us the ability and the right to call forth God's goodness and mercy into our lives. You can do that. That means you don't have to put up with stuff. You just endure. And you hang in there. Because, and if you feel like you're going to give up, you look what the Lord went through for you. Our problems, our situations have not gotten us to the point where we're shedding blood that is so much upon us. We kind of been there. We've been there. We don't kind of like know what, how we're going to get food in the house. We kind of been there. We don't see where, where well, you know, I don't know how this bill is going to get paid. We don't kind of been there where we don't see, I don't, I don't know if this family member is ever going to get saved. But if you hang in there and you do what you're supposed to do, you trust God with all your heart, mind, and soul. If Jesus went through it, he has overcome this world. He has overcome all these things that we look as a problem in our lives, and he has gained victory. His suffering was our victory. I said this earlier, I'm going to say it again. Suffering ain't good, but it's necessary if you want to make it. We don't put off suffering. We don't welcome it. <laughs> we just meet it with our faith. We meet it with the word of God. First of all, we got to know if this is this of God or if I'm out of God's will. Because some people are suffering for the wrong things. You want to suffer for righteousness. You don't want to suffer for unrighteousness. Because if the, if the people say, if you steal, you're going to go to jail, then if you steal, you need to go to jail. Because you chose that way. But I can be tempted to steal, and I don't steal, and God will bless me I will see the manifestation of God's goodness and his grace in my life because I chose to do it the way God wanted me to do it. Amen. So don't suffer for no reason at all. <laughs> Look at what the Lord went through. He looked at this thing having us on his mind. I want you to talk to your children, your grandchildren, because I'm going to be talking to mine. I'm going to be talking to mine. And I'm going to get on my children. You better be talking to these kids about God's love and God's grace. I'm experiencing this grandfather thing. That's what grandfathers and grandparents, that's what we do. We're the smart ones. <laughs> I got to prove my smartness. I don't want to see my grandchildren picking them up from jail. I don't want to see my grandchildren out there making babies and having babies before the time. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to tell them how much God loves them and how much they, most importantly, how much they should love God back. Because when you love God back, it keeps you from doing stupid stuff. Now that you won't do stupid stuff, you may want to venture out there, but you got to remember, I'm supposed to be loving God. I can tell them that because that's what I did myself. It took a while. 
and stepping out there, God wouldn't let me be mean to people. Even though I had a right to be mean to people, he wouldn't let me be mean to people because he would come back and say, what have I done to you? He didn't even have to say anything out there because I had to remind myself, that's right, I'm living for him. I did call him Lord. I did call him Lord. That means I make him the master of my life. And he, and he gave the greatest example on how I can overcome this situation. And I find myself resting in the promises of God more than what you ever could think. And I want you to rest in God's promise and what he did for us all three days ago. But he got up with all power. He got up with all authority in his hand. The devil cannot flaunt death and hell in your face anymore because those keys, that authority, that ruling has been taken from him. He can talk death, laugh at him. And you tell the devil, he'll flash death in your face. And you tell him, you're not taking me out of this world. And he will back down. Submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Our, submittance to, our resistance from God is strong when we understand and know what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. I understand Jesus. I understand his ways, and I'm learning even more. Do I know everything now? No, I don't want to know everything now because God is like turning himself over and over again. I'm learning more and more and more. I'm learning more and more and more, and I'm, and, and I, and I'm seeing God's manifestation, blessing in my life, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's falling over to my kids. They are talking with so much faith now. I just like, I just like, I be like about to pass out. They pay their own bills, too. <laughs> Stand to your feet. <laughs> Stand to your feet. So you can call it Easter Sunday. You can 